they have everything to play for because they need to get a win. I think the one thing that you can do to try and affect this game is get to Jared Goff. Get out of this one and get ready for Pittsburgh coming up. Kirk's history is great there. He's a perfect 7-0 as a starter since joining Minnesota against Detroit. That should be a big help as, as the team comes back ready for the final push. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 122. We've got your usual cast of characters. I'm Tatum Everett. Gabe Henderson is here. Jay Nelson operating the board. But we have a guest and friend of the podcast, Craig Peters, right here in TCO Studios after that uh, rather disappointing trip to San Francisco. What a missed opportunity. Kind of the story of of several games this season uh, with some really good parts and then some really bad parts. That one actually reminded me a couple of years back in uh, Seattle with a just complete disaster of a third quarter. Uh, the resiliency that was shown to come back, make it close, fight till the end, still have a couple chances. It's and then it just comes down to execution. So. Do like where the team is at with resiliency, with six games to play, but um, the moral victories don't really do much Hmm. going forward. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels as if this team, every time they take a step forward, they take two steps back. Or I guess in this case, it was two steps forwards, one step back. Also, just a knack for getting what you don't need or not getting what you do need. It's kind of incredible, really. So Yeah, I think that... um that interception kind of hurt us, right? I mean, you you want to get some points, but still, it's like ah, like we need a drive right here. I, I get it. You know, all last week, Mike Zimmer was saying, well, it wouldn't be bad if Kirk took a shot and threw an interception, but you know, t- some of those timely interceptions, those those are the ones that kind of hurt us. Yeah, the first play of a of a drive, uh, actually two turnovers on first plays of drives. I mean, that's just not the way to go against a team that loves to possess the football, bully people, uh, and just get their run game going, not being able to play possession football. Because we even asked Coach Zimmer, and he he was like, well, points are always number one. And, you know, but uh, after that, you know, against San Francisco, you want to keep the ball. And it it wasn't like our fans were – I mean, we had a lot of fans there, but it it was a lot of red there compared to to L.A. I just – like being up in the press box, like when they scored, it got loud in there. Like when we scored in San Francisco – in L.A. against the Chargers, it got loud for us. So, like that momentum swing was – was tough too. Yeah, yeah. They just felt the surge. I mean, that that eight minute drive plus to mm, to yeah. close the second quarter just just shifted momentum. And you you think coming out of halftime, it's fourteen fourteen, and I mean, San Francisco's going to get the ball. It's been kind of a, a mismatch. You've you've had a couple three and outs against them, a, a nice interception by Harrison, but then the the offense uh, coming right out, and it wasn't even like taking a deep shot or mm-hmm. anything. It was just kind of like a simple uh, start the drive throw. And it, it, I mean, Kirk owned it. He he said it was a bad read, and it was almost uncharacteristic of him because I think when you think about Zimmer talking about ta- it's okay for interceptions and taking shots, that's not exactly the shot you see Kirk Cousins taking where he'll get picked off. And I think part of it too was when when they asked him about the whole thing, like what happened, he just said he didn't even see the guy slide underneath there. And and I think the hard part was like even just being at home watching it on TV, you see it clear as day from the beginning. You're like, no, 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 no. And and 
even there is a little bit of a double double uh, hitch there when he was going to throw it. Almost like to me, I just looked at it and, and it looked like he he saw him and then was like, hey, "I'm going to try anyways." And if in it, but for him explaining it, he just said he didn't even see the guy yeah. at, at the time he let the ball go. So it's just it was unfortunate, especially at the location where it happened. It was just an easy punch in for them to to really capitalize on it. Yeah, and you got to give a little bit of credit to the linebacker and the, and the return team too, because I mean the ball was returned twenty or so yards too mm-hmm. to get it to the two, and you give san francisco that may you know several plays from the two in a row and it's it's not going to work out very well for you they were one of the best in the league at goal to go and and red zone as is so you give them the ball there and you're you're just kind of asking for trouble to that point i think a lot of fans of teams that are biased forget that the other team they have guys that get paid too like that was just a a really good play on the slant route with the linebacker he just he wants to buzz out but he's like oh something else is coming inside so um, great play by Aziz Alshire. It kind of reminded me a little bit of how we've heard Nick Vigil or Eric Kendricks talk about squatting down, hiding out of the way to make sure the quarterback doesn't see him and then popping in right at the same moment. It kind of was reminiscent of that for me because good that's good linebacker play. I mean, you got to read your keys. And usually when somebody's going out, if a, if a receiver's going out, that means another receiver's coming in. If you're the outside linebacker, it's like, oh, I've seen this plenty of times in my career. I'm just going to wait for the quarterback to make a decision and boom, um, Kirk knew it was a mistake and it came back to, to bite us. But like you said, Craig, we, we, we kind of fought back, tried to figure this thing out just in, I guess, just wasn't enough time on the clock for us to figure it out. That leads me to my next question, which I I hear in these press conferences, obviously it's my first season with the team. You guys were here last year in 2020. This is the same exact record at this point last season, but we're hearing so many comments about this team being different. Do you agree with that sentiment, Craig? I've thought about that a lot. Yes, I've actually been thinking. You know, when you're driving, you're like, "Yeah, well, we're Vikings have the same results uh, so far, but it does feel different. It looks different. I feel like the confidence that the offense has shown is is one of the things that that gives reason for belief in bounce back. The uh, just dramatic increases in special teams play. Uh, that that have been lifts to get you through rough stretches of games. I feel like that's super encouraging. But bottom line, what really got to the defense last year was just losing so many players. One of the biggest things so far, knock on wood, do whatever superstition you want. We can get into superstitions (laughs) if we really want to. But like the – the final straw last year was Eric Kendricks going down. So as, as long as you have him, I think you always have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. Um, EK is the the heart and soul of this team. And we saw that after week 11 when the linebacker play, well, some plays that were made by the linebackers five or six yards down the field, you see EK, EK make some of those plays you know, in the backfield. So um, I do think this team is is a lot different simply because we have guys coming back versus going on IR. Um, Mike Zimmer earlier this week said that we'll have some of those guys, maybe a Dalvin Tomlinson or Michael Pierce. Um, if Patrick Peterson, good thing, you know, he's he's doing well, even though, you know, he's dealing with he's on the COVID list right now. He's going to be coming back eventually. So we'll get some of the, some of our veterans back at the right times versus last year where we're five and six. And it's like we still got these young guys out here who maybe it might be their first or their second start. And it's just like, ah, like this doesn't, this doesn't, you go into the game not feeling as confident as you are right now in five and six in 2021. 
and I do think at one and five last year with that start, uh, Coach Zimmer never lost the locker room. The team emptied the bucket to just to get to five hundred. This this year, it's it's been a couple games down, really close games, couple games back mm-hmm. up. Now it's an opportunity to go back to five hundred for the third time this season. It's crazy to me when we're leaving San Francisco and we haven't been above 500 since we played there in the playoff game. Uh, it's it's just something to, like, between that and that being the last venue the Vikings played at before the pandemic, mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of like... With fans, right? Yeah, 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 with, with fans and, and just before all of the disruption that's occurred in the world, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's just like, I remember... You know, leaving, uh, and I was like, well, San Francisco was the better team in the playoff game. They were built uh, better for that. They, they won the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball throughout the game. They were on their way to a Super Bowl appearance. I mean, they did the same thing the next week against Green Bay, made it to the Super Bowl, uh, made it interesting in the Super Bowl. So it's it's but then they've kind of re- returned to Earth, too. I feel like there's a gravitational <laughs> yeah. pull that returns teams to Earth yeah. in the NFL. And it's just always amazing the teams that are able to escape that that uh, weight that seems to grab teams and pull them toward the middle of the pack. Mm. I do think a part of that with the Niners issue was if you think about all of the names that have left that team, especially uh, offensive mm-hmm. defensive line of just the, the change in the turnover there. Um, I've got a friend who's a giant 49ers nut and that was kind of their feeling even with that, that uh, NFC championship and then Super Bowl um, appearance that they ended up having was just kind of like, this is the last Iraq because we're not going to be able to pay all these guys. Um, I, I know going into this game this week, there was a different feel to it, but the MO is the same with them, with Kyle Shanahan. He wants the ball possession. He wants the time of possession. If there's a turnover, they got to capitalize. And even then, if you really think about it, again, another game where it came down to a final drive with a chance to possibly tie to to you know keep yourself in that game, and we, we came up short. I think the difference for me with this season has been all of those close games that you've lost, you know, six by 24 points, and you're just looking at how many of those games have you said we've been outplayed and how many of those games have you said we should have found a way to finish it. Mm-hmm. That's where I think this year has been different from last year, where last year it was chalked up to youth and inexperience. Mm-hmm. This year there's a lot more veteran presence in here, and I think the hardest thing with the next stretch coming up here where we're talking about possibly Tomlinson or Pierce or some of these other guys coming back, you're supposed to hold serve in these next couple of games to try and get some of those those players back to make a push, but you still have to get the victory to keep yourself relevant. And I think that's going to be the key moving uh, forward here, not only the next six weeks, but especially the next uh, 10 days here with, with the games coming up. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is the key. Converting these close chances, these missed opportunities into wins. And after coming up short in San Francisco, it just feels like it's time for another vent session. I know that we've kind of gotten a little bit off our chest so far, but I figure we can, for the one last time, Talk about the 49ers loss. And Craig, the way that we do this every week is everyone gets 60 seconds of just free airtime for you to just let out all of your worries and troubles. So, uh, Gabe, I'll let you go first. We'll just. Oh, we're give... not starting with the guests uh, this no, week? No, no. I want to see how they, I, I, was, I want to see how you guys do it. I, I, I kind of had a feeling. I, I had a kind of feeling. I started last week. I want Jay to go first this week. All right. Let's like go. Okay, line. Jay. <laughs> ready to step up, up to the plate? Oh, man. Set the, set all the right. tone. Three, two, one. For me, the the part of the game that I think was the most frustrating was that four minute, uh, and I think it was four minute and eight second window 
where you gave up the 21 points. Not only there was the eight minute lead up to the the punch in right before halftime, but they did get the double dip and the the uh, punch in from the, the Kirk interception. But for me, the hardest part about that was seeing that not only was there a shift in momentum leading up to that point where the Vikings seemed to be in the driver's chair. One of the things that we had talked about f- uh, for the week leading up to it was saying, make them chase you don't have to chase them. And we were doing that up until that stretch. And then with the snap of a finger in that short amount of time, you found yourself from, from being the hunter to the hunted. And that was the part in the game where I was just like, man, this is going to be a complete shift in tone because they felt like the field was tilting towards what they needed. So for me, that was the the key stretch that really was the teeth gnashing and gritting uh, just to try to get through the game. Ooh, right on time. Jay's always the time master in that, this, that in this exercise. Yeah. He's yeah, like he a... Is. The art, the artist. There were no cues no, there. Jen. There was no, no like a five, <laughs> no. you know, and there's no, no warning. No, I, I let you talk until you hear the buzzer and you're like, oh man, that's been a minute. I have that much to complain about. No, I'm kidding. Didn't have to burn a timeout because the playoff <laughs> was going down. <laughs> you know, just... No, no, but Jay, you're right. And during that stretch, we only had three offensive plays. I mean, that's that's just killer when you have the defense on the field that much. And we knew that going in. We knew that this team was going to be a time of possession uh, hog, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, somebody that would want to hog the ball that much. And and we played right into their hand, I feel like. And that's kind of what hurt the most about that. And that and that was the control that they wanted to have. And, mm-hmm. and we did everything we could, you know, for the first sure. essentially quarter and, and, and a third just to try to set the tempo of what we needed. And then everyone was just waiting for the just wait until they get one of those drives going. And then what happens after that? And again, there was another chunk of us or, uh, of even just looking at people online saying we played an entire half where you feel like you should be up two touchdowns and here we are tied again. And then when they came out at, at the beginning of the second half and got another score right away, it was just like, man, here we here we go with this team kind of dictating what they want. And, and we did what we thought up until the interception and stuff. We, we did essentially what we, we thought was right. And here you were still in a dogfight having to play a second half just to, to get an outcome. All right, Gabe. You ready? Yeah, you yeah, ready for this? Yeah, let's do this thing. It's, very se- it's a very seamless process, Craig. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, three, two, one. My my biggest frustration about this game was not being able to run the ball effectively. Understanding that a team wants to control the time of possession, it just reminded me of the Cleveland Browns game um, mm, back mm-hmm. in week four, I believe. We knew they wanted to run the ball, control the ball. So it, it puts more pressure on our defense, well, in our offense, to, in this case, to control the time of possession. Not being able to get the ball downhill, only averaging three yards per carry. Um, when you play good teams like this, that's that's not winning football. I get it. We got a quarterback that has the highest interception ratio, interception percentage. But still, you want to be able to run the ball against a good defense. Um, we hear all these guys say, well, what about us? Like, this is this is our team, too. Like, they should be focus on us and if you want I think if you want teams to focus on you a little bit more you have to establish the run because that makes an emphasis of hey we're, we're out to come get you guys too so this is another game against the Detroit Lions where we can get that confidence back but you got to build from last week where you didn't get the ground game going at all oh that was yeah, like that was right good. on oh, the money Bang. oh my right goodness on the money. This, is, this is really impressive <laughs> <laughs> no pressure <laughs> Craig seeing, seeing the maestros at their, at their game yeah. um, can <laughs> no. I piggyback off of that real Absolutely. quick and just say yeah the, the run game this year 
Uh, it's it's been a surprise. Like that, that's that's been the most disappointing component of the Vikings' offense is the run efficiency. The I mean, Dalvin's thirty yarder, mm-hmm. according to Next Gen stats, he was supposed to get six yards off of that. So him squirting through the hole. That's 24 yards of the yeah. 39 he got all day. Just from that, you just say, okay, well, if we can get some chunk yardage like this, there should be more on the ground to come. And granted, I think it was the next drive that Dalvin got hurt on the first play. Mm-hmm. But Alexander Madison, you look at it and say, okay, well, he's had two games where he's had over 100 yards rushing. We should still be able to run the ball effectively the way we just did on the previous drive. So I don't know if that's because we're, we're down in some of these games or we're trying to take some shots, but it's like, you know, let's get this thing going because this is still the identity of this team is running the ball downhill. So we got to we got to start doing that more effectively for other teams to respect the play action pass or at, us taking shots. Sorry, at what point of the season do you say maybe it's not so much the identity of this team? Well, it, it still is. Um, even though our offense right now, we should still, you know, pass the ball to JJ, get get that going. But still, to, to be a good team in, in the league, the semi-identity of this team has to be to run the ball. Um, and you're not going to win a Super Bowl or you're not going to, Make it far in the playoffs if you don't have a good run run effect of the, on the game. Especially as conditions worsen in outdoor venues like Chicago, right. Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Those are the final two roads uh, after this weekend <laughs> indoors. So. Yeah, they really, really got a got a snow some snow games in there for us. Yeah, snow, wind, <laughs> wind. Um, yep. You know, so you, you while the passing game has has been on fire, especially indoors. Um, and Los Angeles, which is kind of indoors, uh, kind of outdoors, I guess. But mm-hmm. there, there didn't seem to be any elemental factor in that game. Are there <laughs> elements, weather elements in California, though? You don't want to be there <laughs> when there sunny. are. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, because rain like delayed the stadium construction for a year, right? That's true. So um, the run game has to has to be there to yeah. some degree, especially if play action passes are, are going to be at their at their highest success rate. Yeah, I think we're we're 5 and 1 when we have a running back that runs for at least 80 yards this year mm-hmm. and then we're 0 and 5 when they don't. That so, just seems so doable for this team, right? Don't you doesn't it feel like that's a number you can reach every game? You, sh- you, should. <laughs> you, you should. You should. You should. Yeah, that's not even like triple digits, you know. Like 80, that's, 80 yards. You know, that, right? that that was the gold standard, yes. right? And now <laughs> yeah, now was. you're saying just just get 80. Just get 80. <laughs> just get 80 and we're, we're we're in there. I mean, 5 and 1 that that showed you that yeah. we can we can get this thing going if we run the if ball. If you run the ball, yeah. Like JJ's had yeah. 100 receiving yards in multiple games. Yeah, still, you know, use the passes sure. to open up the run, but you still got to run the ball. Yeah. So. All right, Craig. All right, you got a minute. Okay. Well, I know. I know when you said you sent your pre list, it was a little long. So yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll let so, you go. We'll let, let you go a little longer if you need to get everything off your all chest. Right. First of all, I felt the pain of Eric Kendricks just palms. Upward on the uh, 20-yard run by Debo Samuel touchdown. He, he got mugged on the play in broad daylight. No call, no nothing. And Kendricks doesn't complain a lot. It's usually just to the next play. So w- when you can tell that there's been an injustice is when a guy who doesn't complain mm-hmm. get, gets gets uh, gets vocal about it. Uh, there was that one. There was the uh, the review process for catches is still murky. Yikes. Like I know Adam <laughs> caught it. It looked like he caught it on yeah. the video board. No call on uh, when uh, pass interference occurred on the KJ Osborne play. I mean, if that's not pass interference, I don't know what is. The ball is clearly not there yet. Contact is made. It affects the catch. The one that got me the most was the hold call against Peterson on Kittle. They run the trick play. It's covered. 
it's going to be a punt. It's going to be a loss and a punt, and it goes to an automatic first down. Mm. I mean, the the stakes of that one are just just incredible, pivotal, really, well, because they go on and they they march down the field. They they keep the ball another four minutes, tie the game. Yeah, that that play was huge. So so what I'm trying to understand from your event session is you're really upset with the officiating in the game. I'm just so perplexed <laughs> because if, if if it's a hold, it's a hold. And if it's a block in the back, it's a block in the back. And if it's a contact before the ball arrives, it affects the catch. It's pass interference. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, like and if it's a trick play and a hold where the tight end throws the cornerback to the ground and really sells it, I mean, are you hear about are the defensive players' eyes right? Well, did the trick play throw off what mm-hmm. should have been watched on that play? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point because that that was a trick play, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. And then um, who was it too? Who threw? Did Jimmy G throw that? I'm, uh, I'm like trying so to it was, it was like moment. a throw a receiver throwback, and uh, so and Jimmy G took it lateral side. over to the uh, right side of the offensive formation. They were looking at Kittle first before yeah. they threw it. But he initiated the brunt of the contact and sold the call. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of like NBA. I don't. Sure. I, I'm soccer. not a big NBA <laughs> fan or soccer. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's yeah selling of Some calls flopping. in every sport, right? <laughs> you know, so it's it's part of the game, right. I guess. It's not, always about what the official actually is able to see. What part of that yeah. play did he I mean, actually that's sure, part of get the game. his eyes that, on? That's, that's why the if the ball's moving here and then it's over there and. They, they really have nothing. The the Vikings did such a great job of covering it up, and then they actually ran a similar yeah. play on offense, you know, the, the throwback screen to Dalvin. Yeah. Um, that one right there, it, like the automatic first down on a third in, third in California, yeah. fourth in California punt, yeah. you know. So yeah. that, 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 that was the toughest one for me. Understandable. Well, my and I Vince, probably got a flag for going over on time. You know so. what? You're okay because I don't think mine's going to be very long because I, I mine was very similar to you guys. Um, I mean, basically, when I feel like I'm, we keep hitting this point home about the worst team in the NFL in the final two minutes of the first half. So I don't want to keep harping on that, but it really did feel like it was one of those moments where we should be up by 14. This this team should be dominant at halftime. This should not be how we were going. And after the trajectory of the last two games, for me, it just was so deflating to see it almost take a step back, not capitalize on the momentum and the opportunity that we had with plenty of teams in the NFC getting losses that could really potentially help the Vikings playoff picture. Although they're not down and out, I do think that the loss just played right into the hands of the 49ers. And I think that was it. You know, I don't think it took a very like elite football mind, as PA likes to say, (laughs) to know that the factors that like the boxes that we checked or we were talking about last week, you know, don't turn the ball over, control the time of possession, limit penalties, those kinds of things. Don't let them have the ball um, for that long. I mean, you couldn't check any of those. Yeah. And that was frustrating for me. I remember I tweeted like right before halftime, um, I was sitting in between PA and Bursage and I was like, Dude, it feels like we should be about 14 right now. And mm-hmm. I tweeted it out. And I just seeing the responses and everybody was like, oh, you figure? Like, yeah, really? So, no, but, it, the, but you felt so good about that half for yeah, some but, reason, right <laughs> until the eight and a half minute drive. It's just so hard. I feel like this year is just so hard of sustaining momentum. Yeah. Um, we've had so many problems doing that. Like mm-hmm. we have a good play or just think think about the Kane Wangu kick return. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like Ryan Ficken always says. The special teams unit is the momentum responders. Mm-hmm. So to get her kick return for a touchdown and then miss the extra point, it's just like, 
Man, well, it's one of those moments. We, I, why can't we just sustain that and actually finish what we got going? It was one of those moments where you're like, oh, no, this is great. But then they get the ball back. Yeah. And you're like, well, crud. Like, I think it's great. Sure, the points are good. Like, happy about that. But, like, do we really have to give the ball to them again right now? This was so fast. There wasn't much that their offense did that that surprised me. It was more so every time they ran the ball, I was like, oh, shoot. But when they threw the ball or when they did play action passing or when they were in, you know, a longer down the distance, like, I felt comfortable with us, with our defense, even though we were kind of depleted on the D-line to stop them. So it was just that momentum. And it didn't really register completely with me until after the game and we're on the way back to the hotel and I was talking with Ben Lieber a little bit and he was just describing how uh, Garoppolo works the middle of the field mm-hmm. and it, I mean more than 82% of their pass yards on Sunday were the middle of the field yeah. like he was going into the game more than half of his pass yards were middle of the field so it's almost like you know what's coming mm-hmm. so if, if you looked at Jimmy G's interceptions on film I could about 90% of those came outside of the hashes and numbers. So whenever we forced him to throw it downfield, that's where he was not accurate. But, you know, some of those deep dig routes, 30 yard ends, 20 yard ends or check downs, he's going to he's going to slice and dice you up. All right. We need to put this to bed. I feel like this is one of those games where, you know, some of them you sit there and you're like, oh, well, there's a couple of things we can touch on. But this one, it just felt like it was a lot. But we'll close that book and go to the next chapter because there is an exciting game up ahead. The Vikings look to extend their nine game win streak over the Lions, but more importantly, keep themselves in the playoff picture. Earlier this year, the good guys walked off with a Greg Joseph field goal, 19-17. to Too close for comfort, as some would say. But the Lions still winless this season. They do have a tie under their belts. They tied the Steelers. But, um, you know, a lot of close games recently. So we're going to get ready the way we know how. One thing we're excited about and one thing we're nervous for. So, Craig, why don't you get us going with the one thing you're excited about in this Lions-Vikings matchup? This is going to sound silly at first, but I, I love a noon kickoff, especially with a couple of prime, you know, three primetime games still on the schedule. And that kind of feeds into how well Kirk has been um, against the Lions and his numbers in Detroit uh, since joining Minnesota. He's completed more than 70% of passes. He's averaging 332 passing yards a game, and he's thrown 10 touchdowns at Ford Field with zero interceptions. Add that all up, that's a passer rating of 135.1. Mm. Uh, you know, new new head coach, uh, the, he, he would always feast on the man-to-man. Like, the Vikings did a great job of finding man-to-man beaters the past three years when playing uh, Matt Patricia-led Lions teams. So we'll see what, what uh, is in store what uh, Coach Campbell has in mind for trying to slow down the, the Vikings' uh, passing attack. But the the passing conditions are great there. Kirk's history is great there. He's a perfect 7-0 and as a starter since uh, since joining Minnesota against Detroit. So it's just one of those things where he, he's just uh, really locked in against the Lions. So that, that should be a big help as, as the team comes back uh, and and tries to even out that record and get ready for the final push. Yeah, because after a loss like what you just went through where you thought the offense had finally found their identity, this could be the game to get them right back uh, to feeling like themselves again, Mm -hmm. for sure. All right, Gabe, what are you excited about in the Vikings-Lions game? Uh, I got to say our run, well, Alexander Madison, I'll just say that. 
just in particular, um, averaging over 104 rushing yards against this team the past two times that we've played him. He's been a starting running back the past two times that we've played him. So um, I don't wish injuries on anyone, but if Dalvin could sit out any game, I would want this to be the one because Alexander Madison has, has had field days against um, this Detroit Lions defense. Um, right now, they are the fourth worst run defense in the NFL, giving up 133 yards per game. So I like my chances on Alexander Madison on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're saying fantasy owners, if you need a waiver wire pickup this week, Madison might be... Take him off your bench. Yeah, take him off your bench, give the guy a start. He's been really great in games that he starts. Maybe he wasn't as effective coming in as a backup last week, but when he gets the call and he has the reps of the week of practice, knowing that um, he is the guy that's going to be the starter, he's been a little bit more successful in the game for sure. All right, Jay, what are you most excited for in the Vikings-Lions game? Piggybacking off what Gabe's talking about, I'm actually going to look at the other guy who's probably going to get some more touches this week. I want to see Kane Wongo out there Ooh. actually getting to play in some actual backfield action. I know as a rookie, one of the things you're probably nervous a little bit about is knowing the protections and knowing everything else that goes besides just, you know, handling the rock and, and, and getting some rushes. But I want to see what happens if they put him in there. Are they going to potentially use him as a swing pass kind of guy and get him out in space and let him use his speed? Um, but given the fact that you cannot deny what we've seen so far in the kick return game, which is when he gets the ball in his hands and you get him in open space, he is electric. It's so fun to watch. And so I'm hoping that in this game, if, if Alexander is going to be the, the the main guy and typically he would be the guy getting the, the spots to spell Dalvin doing his thing. I'm going to see what happens if they do put Kane in there and just see how he reacts to actual live game action from the backfield. So that's what I'm excited about yeah, this maybe, weekend. Maybe even still a couple of plays from that San Francisco playbook that they've used for, <laughs> for Samuel. Demo. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I thought you were going to say A.J. Rolls. We haven't seen him since the preseason. He had 100 rushing yards against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not sure if he'll be a- active. but No idea. Um Kane Wangu, I think he's Kane Wangu's backup, but yeah, I, I want Kane to have a big game too. That's, I'm one that when we drafted him, you know, there's a there's a text thread that that was uh, Corso Siamens and myself, and they're kind of like, why are we picking this guy? And I'm like, I just want to see if you think about what does Kansas City do really well. They have a ton of playmakers that have speed that they just get the ball out of Mahomes' hands and get it to these playmakers and just say, make something happen, you know. And and it's the speed factor of it. And he's one of our our few guys that we have especially on the offensive side, that is just pure speed. At least that's the way that we look at him currently. Again, I just want to see in live action, what does that look like? You know, he might still need time, but you're not going to know that until you get him out there with live reps happening. Well, yeah, I mean, Zimmer said this week that the problem with young backs is that they, uh, the protection is always the hardest. Understanding their routes, understanding okay, so if this is the play call, what, where do I line up? Who, Who's my guy to block if I have to? So I think getting him in there for more of those, like like you said, Samuel-type plays mm-hmm. might be a little, a good way to ease him on into it. Because that's it's the learning curve. It's the hardest part for rookies. Yeah, and uh, you also saw Justin Jefferson back there in the backfield <laughs> against Green Bay, too. Mm-hmm. And Zimmer said, he's not back there for protection. So mm-hmm. find, the, <laughs> find the times you don't need him there for protection. I love that you went there with that because that's exactly where my mind was. And, yeah. It was just like, yeah, let let him let like, him be. We're a not hiding what he's going to be doing, right? Like, right. it's no secret yeah. that if he's 
back there or Justin Jefferson's back there. We're going with that. <laughs> I love that when he said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go with I'm most excited to see our receivers against this line secondary kind of picking back off mm-hmm. of your point, Craig. Last game, the Vikings had 275 passing yards led by Jefferson with 124. I think this group of corners is super young. They do have Amani Uarie, who's playing a lot better. He has five interceptions this season, mm-hmm. which is good for the rookie, but I like Jefferson's ability to run routes and uh, and win the battle and, you know, those 50-50 balls and the man coverage. So I um, like that matchup. They also get back rookie cornerback Fidu Melifanuwu. I'm sure I totally said that correctly. You said it better um, than me. Sometimes I learned, I learned in, you know, my broadcasting days, sometimes if you just say it with confidence and roll right through it, no one will ever know. So that's what I'm going to go with. Um, he was activated off injured reserve. And while he is, you know, he... he only has two games under his belt, so he is, again, not a very experienced corner. Um, last week, the Lions allowed 317 yards passing and 18 first downs, and that's with Andy Dalton, not how well Kirk Cousins plays against this Lions team on only one sack. The Lions were only able to get one sack. So I, I like this this uh, the chances for this uh, passing game, for sure. Let's do the next one, which I, I know, I think all of ours might have kind of similar themes in this one, but um, but we're going to go around and see and see if that's the case. Craig, what are you most nervous about in this Lions game? Detroit's ability to hang with opponents and Minnesota's knack for keeping opponents in games yeah. has got to give everyone, like, you know, pass the Pepto, right? So, <laughs> oh, that's good. You need to coin that. I mean, Trademark it. Like, so I'm... It, it, Undoubtedly, you know, like no other team has has led every opponent by seven, I think, this year. Mm -hmm. But the Vikings are five and six because of not either putting the, the, you know, the hammer down and and closing out in those like, I mean, the five minute stretch in San Francisco where they the 49ers took control of the game. There's got to be like a stretch of games, even when you're leading, even when you're favored to win, where you just take control and say, this is our game to win. This is not our game to lose. And this is not our game to play not to lose. So I feel like Detroit's been pesky. They've been knocking on the door. You know, the phrase, don't be that guy. There's a phrase, you know, it's kind of like, don't be that team that gives, you know, an 0-10-1 team its first taste of victory. They've been so close. The Vikings should have a very good reminder of what it was like to lead by 10 Mm. and nearly lose to Detroit from Mm. week five. One of the stats, at least looking through their season and trying to figure out why haven't they been able to to do anything and how frustrating it's got to be to be a Lions fan this year. In in their 11 games, five of them have been within a, a, a single score, essentially. And so, like, if you really think about it, including our game and, and even Baltimore, it took a last second field goal. The There's Bears, three, the, Bears the same thing. Goals, yeah, yeah. Was last second field goal mm-hmm. with the Santos. Like, all three of those games, it's got to be just gut wrenching. And I guess. You know, to, to the point you're just making about not being able to put the hammer down like this is one of those games. I think if you can do that early and get a 20 point lead or something, that is a point you will see them start to quit. And and I think given how close that first game was uh, with us, I think that that's something that we're going to try to avoid at all costs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't give them hope. They're similar to the Vikings in the fact that they have the fight to stay in games and they Mm -hmm. want to get that first win, but you can't give them the hope that this is the week it's going to happen. Gabe, what are you most nervous for? Our run defense versus their run offense, even though DeAndre Swift may or may not play, 
their strong suit is running the ball. Like they average 4.8 yards per run, which is I think the sixth best in the, in the NFL. And we've given up 200 yard rushers twice this season. Um, and the last time we played the Detroit Lions, we had Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and uh, Dalvin Tomlinson as our starting D lineman. Probably none of those four guys will play on Sunday, and that that kind of scares me against a team that we know their one good thing that they do this year is run the ball effectively downhill. So um, if we can stop the run, I don't think it'll be a a, um, a game that we should lose. But that's that's easier said than done here here in Minnesota. Yeah, it's interesting. I I know you say DeAndre Swift may or may not play, but Jamal Williams is just as good. And if we remember last last time we played the Lions, he was their leading rusher. It was by six yards, but yeah. you know, apples it was only to like fifty eight. But those fifty eight were hard earned. Runs. Right. Well, they well they rushed for over a hundred yards against us, and so yeah, I mean. It's definitely a concern, especially after watching Elijah Mitchell look like, I don't want to make a comparison here, but he just looked like he was playing out of his mind. Well, you have a team that that wants that you know they're going to run the ball. Um, that that does put a lot of pressure on a, on a defense to say, okay, well, we got we just got to stop this. I mean, three yards is a good run for those guys. Like two and a, two yards is a good run for those guys because they're going to try to make it up on the next play. So that's what San Francisco did, and I'm sure – any other team that that sees that watches that film is going to say, okay, well, we want to run the ball at least thirty five times and tell them to stop us. So, we got to put our big boy pants on and do it. All right, Jay, it's time for you to put your big boy pants on and tell us what you're nervous about. My answer, sorry, was buckle. that a horrible no. segue? <laughs> no, no, no. Make sure you uh, buckle your belt. Yep, already, already there. Uh, what makes me nervous about this one? Everything, <laughs> everything. Okay, because uh, they're trying to not this have be. A, a quote-unquote trap game and that they have everything to play for because they need to get a win. Like, they're looking at the rest of their schedule as well and just trying to figure out, like, where are we potentially going to get a win? And knowing how close the first game was, they're looking at us as a team that, like we've all just pointed out, there's vulnerabilities. Our defensive line uh, is is not the original one that we were playing with at the beginning of the year. We're talking about uh, no Delvin in this game as well. Um, so we're just looking at uh, a bunch of people having to step up. Now, the one thing we do have is we have Kirk and we have JJ and we have Thielen. But for me, this is the classic uh, trap game in that you're just looking at it uh, as being a complete letdown because everyone's expecting you to win and they are clawing to try to get relevancy for a win for the season and try not to be an over team for the entire 2021 year. So for me, this game, there's everything that I'm nervous mm-hmm. about. I think the one thing that you can do to try and affect this game is get to Jared Goff. He's taken um, 27 sacks so far this season, six picks, and he's got an oblique injury he was coming back from in that Bears game. He just does not look right, and I just feel like with that offensive line issues that they have, he is probably still super skittish. Um, So I'm hoping that um, in this game, defensively, we can try and put some pressure on him, even though it isn't our our original front four. But uh, for me, that is where my nervousness comes is, again, like I kind of touched on earlier, do not let them stay into this game. Do not let them feel relevant. Get them to quit midway through the game and just get out of this one and get ready for Pittsburgh coming up the following Thursday. Yeah, and the trap nature can be magnified when you have a Thursday game too because coaches are likely to go ahead and start doing some work on the Steelers mm-hmm. on Friday before the Lions game is played. And mm-hmm. so then are you calling the game you're in cleanly? Are you are – you, leading your team through that or are you thinking about Thursday 
And a prime example of that actually is something that we've had from our history years ago, which was our first London game. Uh, we were playing the Cleveland Browns, who were Ofer at the time. Mm-hmm. That was led by Norv Turner. And um, uh, basically, the, that Cleveland Browns game, we were going into it going, okay, we just got to get through this one because we're heading to London to play the Steelers. And then we turned around and got smoked by the Cleveland Browns at the end of that game. And you're just walking out of it going, wait, we were supposed to win that. It's the classic thing of do not look ahead to the next opponent. I feel like coming off of a loss in San Francisco, that mentality wise, they won't be doing that. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just another thing setting you up for don't be that team. Yeah, this is this is this is a big game. Like it's still an NFC opponent. So a win helps our standing our rankings Mm -hmm. and the playoff picture. So Pittsburgh Steelers games, that's big, but still that's an AFC team and we still got to beat this team to get there. For me is the next three games. And this is kind of what I'm nervous for that are so big because you get through the gauntlet two and two, like we had said, and then the 49ers was a winnable game. You think if you can go win the next four and you know, you got the Rams and the Packers, your toughest names still left team still left on the schedule. I'm just nervous that, I'm kind of like you. I'm nervous this is a trap game just because of the sheer fact that it's building up this this magnitude of facing the Lions. They're over. You look ahead. You don't think about it. You think of it as a guaranteed. And you can't always think of it that way. But I'm, I'm hoping that mistakes of last game passed, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like a Christmas Carol <laughs> reference, is kind of like creeping in and, and maybe thinking, you you know, they're not as – we have to play above that level. We need to have a dominant performance. And I don't know if we really had that so far this season from the Vikings, seeing just an absolute total dominant performance. Um, I'm very nervous that if we do not hold them at the end of the second quarter and go into halftime with momentum, that that really could be the kiss of death because if they go into halftime thinking, oh, we're right in it, we're still in it, this could be another blast from the past. Um, since the bye, the Lions have had a 16-16 and tie with the Steelers and two close losses, 13-10 and to the Browns, 16-14 to to the Bears. So their defense is playing much better. Mm-hmm. I'm just nervous that that's going to be another close game. And, you know, that's always a coin flip for this team. Yeah. And in that tie, they, I think they missed an extra point mm-hmm. in regulation and a 48 yard field goal. They've had, they've kind of had to go through multiple kickers. Riley Patterson is now there. Um, spent the offseason with go. the Vikings, but it's, it's kind of one of those things like, oh man, they lost how you were kind of hoping that. Maybe they'd already have that taste, but then like, does that you build? Are, uh, yeah. Does that build more confidence? You right. know, so like, yeah. it's just whatever it is. It, it all comes down to executing. Yeah, scheming during the week, executing during the game. The game earlier this year, I think Jay or Tatum, you might have made the point. Like, we, we played a fairly decent game on defense leading up to, I guess, like the last two minutes of the game. So I think it's just starting fashion and just finishing like we, we mm-hmm. still haven't just finished this year outside of i just want a LA. dominant win yeah i want to feel it. comfortable <laughs> heading into the fourth quarter i want to feel like like you know like we 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 had a control for 60 minutes so you want to see i would take 45 i would take 45 for all out get out so you want to see aj rose also <laughs> I don't know about that. Not that I think he's a fabulous person and a great player. Whatever it takes to get the win. I get That's it. Awesome. You know, I, I've given up on writing because, you know, one of the first posts immediately after the game is is the running gamer. And I, I've almost given up on writing that the Vikings were ahead. Actually, I've stopped doing <laughs> the entire lead um, this season. And Detroit, 
the first time around was where I deleted about 10 paragraphs (laughs) (laughs) on a moment's notice. And we're like, ah, so, you know, I'm just like, whatever, we'll get it up as soon as we can. But like this, this season is just a down to the wire season. I think Matthew Collar said that earlier this year, right? He just basically said like, (laughs) he does so much backspacing like at towards the end of the game because (laughs) it changes so much. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, speaking of what you're working on, Craig, not to get ahead of ourselves and not talk about what you're doing this week, but you've got a couple of big weeks ahead for uh, the for Vikings.com with and and the playbook yeah. with the Steelers yeah, game. Ahead. Yeah, it's, it's always exciting the opportunities we get to to do the some of the content for the playbook uh, game programs and. Uh, Big thing I'm working on right now is uh, our a feature on our Vikings Community Man of the Year. He'll be the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Uh, it's going to be announced league-wide on December 7th, but I've uh, been able to do a little bit of work on that, so we're excited to unveil that. Really proud of of the player and, and happy for, for the recognition. I think it's a super deserving uh, – he's a super deserving uh, person to receive this. Uh, combine that so that that'll be in that playbook we'll have primetime purple features we'll have my cause my cleats oh um, man you know it's and, got it all you know so it's it's just uh, super exciting and uh, Jeff- Justin Jefferson's on the cover so Ooh, that'll be fun fan too. favorite yeah so uh, nice he's, he's gonna be looking really fly in those primetime purple uniforms so er- Eric's got that story uh, good to go. Lindsay's done some great stuff with my cause, my cleats, and uh, just just excited to to bring that home. I was just gonna make a little jab here and say, I mean, Justin Jefferson's always looked great in primetime purple. So. Yeah, yeah, purple absolutely. <laughs> I had to get my I yeah, had to get my yeah. LSU in oh, there yeah. for you. No, uh, I Craig, understand. You know? Yeah. If anyone didn't know, Craig went to Mississippi State. We have a friendly rivalry going on. <laughs> uh, Gabe, what's going on with the Audible this week? Eric Kendricks is the guest this week. Nice. He will be talking. Maybe we'll talk about that that holding. Ooh, that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. About. Maybe get his thoughts on that because yeah that that was um that was that was an interesting call. But he'll be on. He high roaded it after the game. He, he did. He, it was just like they let us play. <laughs> well, you, you know what he wanted to yeah, say yeah um that's not what you're saying really in yeah. the time in, in the heat of the moment but yeah you know. so he'll be the guest for this week and we'll, we'll have some fun with that awesome and jay we've got vikings vantage this week um what's going on with that detroit native and outspoken lions critic ron johnson will be on the show <laughs> it's always fun when it's lions week with ron because he's always very opinionated on uh what is happening in in, in detroit um, so it'll be fun to have Ron back on the show again this week. So check it out this week on Friday night. You really can't help but like feel the pain in Ron's voice when he talks about them. And it's almost like he's he's it's OK that he says those things about the Lions yeah. because of what mm-hmm. he how he grew up around there. Yeah, for I, would, sure. I would just feel bad if he was actually a lot if he grew up a Lions fan. Like I, right. I would be I would feel forest pain. But the fact that he. <laughs> He's hilarious about it. It makes everybody's job better. It does. It does. Well, this week on Opposing Viewpoints, we will have Fox 2 Detroit's Dan Miller on the show to talk about the Lions matchup with Vikings reporter Eric Smith. And then also Friday Football Feast is headed to Edina. And so I will be there actually this week is my week to go and head out there. Um, And I'm really excited. It should be a lot of fun. Friday Football Feast at Edina on Friday mornings from 9 to noon. Well, this is our chance to get to 500 this weekend and stay in the playoff picture when the Vikings hit the road. Heading to Detroit to face the winless Lions kickoff is set for noon on CBS. 
So that is that is a little bit cross different flex. this week. Make mm. sure crossflex alert. Crossflex alert. What is that? What is? I don't know what that is. It, it, well, I mean, you just always used to rely on road uh, conference determining which network, and now they've started crossflexing the past couple of years to to try to have this added flexibility gotcha. at the end of the season okay. to get certain games on certain time slots. I was going to say, because CBS for two NFC teams is pretty interesting call. It's usually yeah, more yeah. of an AFC network. Maybe, maybe on a holiday Thanksgiving okay. type thing. But yeah, the, the, the cross-flexing is, is kind of made its way through. And uh, Yeah, I did a double take when I saw CBS. So just keep that in mind if you're yeah. tuning in, if you're not headed to the game. And yeah, that was... That nugget of information, courtesy of, <laughs> of Craig Peters with Vikings.com. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. We loved having you. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, Craig. you guys stick with Vikings.com and the Vikings app for everything you need to know to get ready for Sunday. Until next week, Skull Vikings. Today's Minnesota Vikings podcast is brought to you by Lifetime. When you step into Lifetime, you won't just see the difference, you'll feel it. Experience it for yourself. Visit lifetime.life for a complimentary guest pass or stop by a club. Lifetime, the healthy way of life partner of the Minnesota Vikings.